everyone, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. I'm your host, Mike Epstein, and I am pleased to share with the world that our daughter was born a few weeks ago. I am now the proud father of two amazing girls, and I am feeling both elated and (laughs) sleep-deprived. We are changing up our content today to deliver what I hope will be a very informative and practical episode on a topic we've never discussed, finances. My guest today is Charlie Epstein, and if you are astute and hear a similarity in his last name and mine, that's because Charlie, full disclosure, is my uncle. Don't worry, this is not an episode based purely on nepotism, and let me get into Charlie's bio here. You'll understand why he's the perfect guest to talk about this with artists. Charlie has always been a part of two different worlds, financial advising and the theater. As a professional actor, Charlie has performed in roles from Shakespeare to Neil Simon, as well as stand-up comedy in New York City and improv with Chicago City Limits. Charlie's financial advising experience is nationally recognized, as you will soon hear in his bio. So again, I figured who better to have on this podcast to advise artists on their finances during a global pandemic than someone who truly understands what it takes to be a performer. Charlie has over 40 years of, ex- of professional experience in the financial services industry, where he has worked with individual clients and companies of all sizes. His companies currently oversee more than a billion dollars in assets under advisement. Charlie is known nationally as the 401k coach, although he points out at the beginning of our conversation he is no longer going by this title. A little bit more on that later. Charlie has trained more than 10,000 financial professionals how to best serve the needs of their clients. He is the best-selling author of Paychecks for Life, How to Turn Your 401k into a Paycheck Manufacturing Company, and Save America Save, The Secrets of a Successful Retirement Plan. Most recently, Charlie has combined his acting and financial talents in the creation of a one-man show called Yield of Dreams, Paychecks for Life. Working with a team of professional comedians, Charlie has created a financial theater experience designed to make money funny while illuminating the 15 myths of money that inhibit people's ability to achieve financial independence and live the life they've always dreamed of. You will hear us refer to his show, Yield of Dreams, throughout our conversation, and I had the pleasure of actually seeing it premiere this past August. I'm confident our listeners are going to get a lot out of this episode. Charlie offers sound advice for musicians, presenters, agents, etc., really anybody who just wants to gain a better understanding of how to save and invest. We talk about his 10-1-now formula, the desirement calculator that he created to help people determine what their number is to be able to fund all of the things they desire in life, and his Myths of Money deck of cards. If you would like to set up a free consultation with Charlie and his company, feel free to call his office at 413-224-3606, or click this link here if you're reading this to submit an email. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And now please enjoy my conversation with Charlie Epstein. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Why don't we just start with that, okay? <laughs> cool. Woo! That's a, that's a great intro. Yeah, now we'll do a proper one. I'll, I'll do an intro without taking the time to do it right now. So anyway, cool. thank you for being on the show, Charlie. Really appreciate it. Yeah, how's that baby thing working out for you? Everybody know we are counting down the seconds to baby number two. That's right. If we get interrupted, uh, everybody listening, uh, that's because I'm soon to be a father for the second time. With baby baby number two on the way. The water broke. Well, we thought it did, but it didn't. (laughs) I know. That was a false alarm. Yeah, we've had two false alarms. 
but baby's healthy, mom's healthy, everybody's happy. We're just a little tired and it hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> I noticed dad didn't say he's healthy, but who cares? Because dads don't matter in this equation. I'm at the very bottom of the totem pole. There's but I but I think this is perfect to what we're going to be talking about, which is uncertainty, the unknown, all of those things, right? We wanted to talk about that with your artists and the future and yeah. Cool. Okay, we can't hear you. Let me unmute myself. Um, you know, the thing I love about all of the principles you've come up with over the years is that it doesn't matter if it's the best of times and it doesn't matter if it's the worst of times because they absolutely apply to all times. And my goal for our conversation, Charlie, is that if I'm an artist listening to this conversation, I come away from it with two, three easy to do things right off the bat that I can start to apply to my own finances. And I've got a couple that I wanna highlight um, and we're gonna get into that. But I thought just to start with, just to kind of set the tone here, you like to say that your mission in life or your ministry in life is to ease people's pain and suffering about their money. What do you mean by that? So after 42 years of being in the financial business, uh, having gone to college for economics, although I lived in the theater, which was, we can talk about as well. I mean, what I've discovered is it, it doesn't matter whether you have very little money or you're ultra wealthy. At some level, people's relationship to money is suffering. So the best example I give, and I do it in the show, is I had a client of mine, 54 years old. He sold his manufacturing company for $110 million cash. Now, he had been working 20 hours a day for the last 20 years that I've known him. Uh, in 2008, just before the credit crisis, he had eight offers to buy his company, and they all evaporated. And he said, gee, I bet you I could make this a $100 million company instead of a $25 million company. And then he spent the next you know, 2008 to 2020, you know, the next 12 years, just working his tail off. Sells the company. And what does he do the next day to celebrate? He goes right back to work. And I called him up and I said, what are you doing? He said, this is all I know. Now, Good news is he's since been released from the company. They finally just <laughs> sent him packing. And now he's trying to figure out, right? But people would immediately say $110 million, what's the problem? So at all levels, people have problems. I was with clients today, father and son in business, father, you know, probably worth 40 or $50 million. And all we were talking about is the tax bill that the son is gonna face when he inherits the business from mom and dad. Like $20 million tax bill. Where did that come from? So at some level, people are suffering about money. And it's mostly about their relationship. It's never I don't have enough or I have too little. It's how people relate to what money can be used for. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I mean, let's just kind of scale it down, right, to the artists that are yeah. listening. And 
I'll use myself and as, as an example, um, because this, I want to give you a setup for one of what I think is one of your best tools, your 10-1 now concept, which I want to have you talk about. So I'll just use myself as an example. When I moved out to Boston uh, to pursue my dream job of working at a booking, a professional booking agency, first of all, I didn't have a paycheck when I started there. I was an intern. I was an unpaid intern. Okay. But I was in the right place at the right time. I got an offer the following week to be their receptionist and start answering their phones. So here's why I'm bringing this up. My annual salary, you ready for this? I still have the offer letter. Want to take a guess as to what it was? <laughs> uh, annual salary, uh, what year? This is in 2007. 15,000. Yeah. So you're not far off, 24,000 a year. Okay. Right, so let me, let me, let me, just as long as we were playing. When I started, I got out of college at 21 and I went into the finance business through the life insurance industry. Want to guess, and I was 100% commission. Want to guess what my income was the first 12 months in business? Uh, it depends how much commission you sold. <laughs> minus $10,422. I actually, it actually cost me to live. Yeah. I had to rob the piggy bank. Right. The, you know, yeah. So back to the principle. So, okay. Obviously, whether you've been to Boston, or you've never been to Boston, you're, if you're assuming it's an expensive city, you're right. So 24,000, you know, $1,000 a month pre before I'm paying taxes, that's not enough to make it work. So I was working part-time on top of my full-time job at a coffee shop in Harvard Square. Okay, now let's get to why I'm bringing this all up. Even at that stage in my career, just starting out, just paycheck to paycheck, I called you and said, you know, here's what I've got coming in. What can we do? And this is where you pretty much introduced to me the concept of 10-1 now. Not and that's why this is so important because all the artists listening, we're still in this COVID world. We're in this world of if you're an artist right now who's lucky enough to get gigs, they they were in uncertainty before COVID. Now they're far from a certainty, so it's tough. But I'm going to have you talk about ten one now. What is ten one now, and why is it important? So be, the concept of ten one now is about habit. And it's about incremental success. And what most people say to themselves is, you know, if I had a lot of money, I could invest it and then I would start to be wealthy. So there's this myth about I got to have before I can create as opposed to creating before I have. And just like you, when I got started, I didn't have a pot to piss in, but my mentor at the time, who was kind of the master of my business, said to me, kid, just save $25 a month. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but in 1980, when you're earning minus 10,000, that's a lot. And there's a concept called pay yourself first. So what most people do is they got all these bills, and they pay their bills first, hoping they have something left over to save and invest, and there's nothing because you're always going to spend what you have. What you have to do is pay yourself first, meaning you need to save and invest something first, then pay your bills. And people say, well, I can't because I got all these bills. Well, don't pay your bills in 30 days, pay them in 60 days. You just gave yourself 30 days of money that you can save. You just shifted time. 
The concept of 10-1 now goes along with the concept of save and invest 10% of your pay, gift 10% of your pay, and spend and enjoy the rest. Pretty basic formula. So if you have a goal of saving 10% and you say, I can't do that, then I'm simply going to say, well, what could you say? 5% or 3% or how about just 1% of your pay? And I'm using a percent rather than a dollar amount because as your income goes up, you want that percent to keep going up. So imagine now you were you know, making 21,000 and you were gonna save 1% or $210 divided by 12. How many cups of Starbucks is that a week that you could save? Two, maybe three, $15 a month. Yeah. Or almost the $25 a month that I started with in 1980. So let me just ask you to be a little more specific. So, so let's just use the example, say that I'm saving, um, I don't know, 4%. And for me, that means I'm saving, let's call it $400 a month. Okay. So I'm saving a hundred dollars a week. So the question is, what should I be doing with that hundred dollars a week? Should I be putting it in a savings account? Should I be putting it yeah, just so I just want to complete the 10 one now concept. Yeah. So the concept is you save what you can. The goal is to get to 10%. So if you can only save 1%, normally people go, well, that's nothing, so I'm not going to do it. But if every year you just increase by 1% until you got to 10 and you're 20, now you're 30, and you got another 35 years ahead of you, something is going to happen called compound interest, which is an exponential and if you were 30 years old, making 40,000, and you save 10% and you could earn 6%, you'll have a half a million dollars in 30, 35 years. But if you could only save 5% and increase by 1% in 30, 35 years, you'll have like 455,000. You'll be close to that person that started saving more than you. Yeah. So I just want to point out that incremental success trumps trying to win the lottery or waiting until you have enough money because time is the great equalizer. Yeah. Okay? So your next question about, well, what do I do with that 1% or 5% or 10%? So the first thing I was saying, you know, we're talking to your artists. So, you know, I was thinking this morning, you know, your artists are musical entrepreneurs. Absolutely. They're musicians first, but they're entrepreneurs because they're self-employed and they got to promote themselves. So they wake up every day like you and I do unemployed. You know, people think, cause I've been in the business for 42 years. Oh, everything's all set. But I wake up every day with a little bit of panic going, <gasps> I'm unemployed today. I mean, I am, I don't have a, regular paycheck coming in, neither to you and neither to your artists. Right. So that's the first thing is, oh my God, how could I possibly plan to save anything on a regular basis when I don't know what's going to come in? And then the second thing is they're entrepreneurs. Some are good, some are better, some are worse. And being an entrepreneur means you're responsible for your future and everything you do should lead you to that bigger success. Now, you took that job at that management company 
and they didn't pay you enough, but you were entrepreneurial enough to say, all right, I'll get a second job, which created more income, created more confidence for you, created the ability for you to start saving when you had very little. And it's just so key to do something. And I would say to your artists, every day, don't you get up and sit down at the piano or the trombone or the trumpet or the saxophone and practice four or five hours a day? Well, that's, for most of your artists, I'm sure that's nourishment. You know, they thrive on that. Well, you got to approach money the same way. You got to nurture it every day. So of the percent that you're going to save, the first thing is, you know, you got to have money in a rating day account. It's a bank account. It's not going to earn anything. And I just simply say to people, you know, how much money do you need in a bank account psychologically to be comfortable? And everybody's number is different, but it's somewhere between ten dollars and $50,000. That's what I've learned. If it's any more than that, you're crazy because you're not going to earn anything on that money. In my case, it's less than ten because I can go to the bank, I got a credit line, and if I need money, I'll just go to the bank and borrow money. And I can make more banks the bank is going to charge me. So that's my attitude. Well, can you repeat that last line you broke up? Say that again, you can make more... I said, you know, if I can borrow money from the bank at 2%, I know I could make 5, 10, 15, or 20% on their money. That's the VIG and the spread. We can talk about that a little bit later. But for most people, you, you should have 10 or 20,000 in the bank just in case. The rest of that money depends. If you're investing now, it's am I investing to buy a house? Am I investing to buy a car? Am I investing to go on vacation? Am I investing for the long term, which is, you know, my desirement years? You know, when I finally decide I'm not going to do what I'm doing now, I want to have enough money so I can travel and enjoy myself. So your time horizon will dictate. But for simplicity's sake, open a mutual fund. You can do it with as little as $25 a month. And no matter what, Invest that money, even when times are bad, like in COVID, there's always an excuse. Because you'll just, in a couple of years, start to see this money compounding. You're going, oh my, oh, this is, oh wow, this works. All right, so let me ask you. So I'm an artist, I'm listening to this. I'm trying to hit that, let's just call it 10K savings goal, okay? I'm doing that, but I also realize, wait a minute, I can do that and maybe in, let's call it in a year, I'm gonna hit that. But I don't wanna to wait to start putting a little bit at the same time in that mutual fund. Can I just put you on the spot now and direct people to your website? How, you know, if, I, if I've never done that before and I'm an artist and I think I gotta do this, what's the easiest way for me to open a mutual fund? Yeah, just reach out to us and we'll open it or they can go direct to, uh, you know, Vanguard or Fidelity. So. You know, what's the, what you're really asking, what's the value of a financial advisor? Well, what's the value of Mike Epstein as a manager to his artist? So do you, you want to go first? Or do, you, do you want to go first or do you want me to answer? <laughs> oh, no, you answer. Yeah. So just, uh, just to make the quick distinction. So we, we're the booking agent, right? Yeah. Difference between manager, booking agent. We're just trying to get our artists, the shows and the tours, but 
the value that we provide to the artist is to help them build a bigger future. Yeah. That's what it's about. We're trying yeah. to help them build a bigger future. And there's a lot of noise out there. Where should you book them? How to negotiate the contract, collecting the money. And then there's your artist going, I don't want to do that gig. And, you know, I'm not feeling good and all that personal stuff. Yep. Let me just tell all your listeners, you know, collab. listen, there isn't a musician that you work with that doesn't collaborate with other musicians. And the outcome is better results. You know, the unknown, the unseen. When, when your artists get together and they start collaborating and working together, I mean, I just, I mean, I think of, you know, you're out. I mean, you could just list all you know, the artist collaborations that they have with right. Bowie. I mean, come on, you know? So what I would say to your artists is the value of me or a financial advisor is somebody that is going to, first of all, be the wall, somebody that you can call up. There's so much noise out there. There's so much information. Where do I invest? How do I invest? What does it cost? You know, do I invest in the S&P 500? Do I invest in cryptocurrency? Do I, what do I do? The, our, my value as an advisor is to create greater clarity for you as an artist. Finding what's the result you're trying to produce. Just like when you're writing music, what's the result I want to produce? You know, is this song, you know, is it three, four time? Is it six, eight time? Is, you know, what's the, what chord are we in? What's the result we're trying to produce? Who's our audience? What's the outcome? That's, a, that's what we're here to do to answer those questions and then direct you once you've got that clarity, you got more confidence about, okay, here's the, here's what I can afford to invest. What makes sense given the economic climate we're in? How much, what's my time horizon? What am I after? And you're always going to have these questions. I mean, Mike, think about all the conversations we have had over the years. Yeah. I mean, folks, Mike has worn me out <laughs> analyzing everything. I mean, you're lucky that he's your booking agent. Because he's a high fact finder well, analyzing everything. I'm, I'm lucky you're my advisor. Can we just back up for one second? You mentioned this idea of what are you saving for in your, you called it desirement years. So I know the answer to this question, but most people have never thought about this. What is the difference between retirement and desirement? Yeah, thanks. It's interesting. I'm working with uh, interviewing playwrights for rewriting the show Yield of Dreams. And one of the playwrights, just prolific, really great gal. She said, you know, you own this word. When you Google desirement, number one, I come up. I said, yeah, because I own it. I registered and trademarked it. So Webster's definition of retirement means to put something out of use. And I don't know anybody working their tail off to one day, someday to be put out of use. Now, if you're an artist, you're going to be an artist your whole life probably. I mean, my grandfather, Mike's great-grandfather, Henry E. Bertain, was concertmaster, Ritty City Music Hall, a painter, a musician, and pretty much did all that until the day he got dementia and couldn't do it anymore. So the notion of retiring as an artist doesn't apply because you're just going to keep doing what you desire to do. The question is, 
financial independence, financial freedom to me is being able to write a check so you can do whatever you want when you want. And so money is just a tool to buy freedom for yourself or enjoyment or whatever it might be. And what I try to do is help your, your artists and our clients create different buckets of money that will be delivered at different times in your life to surprise you and be available so you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, so that's so key. There's such a big difference between being put out of use, you know, that mindset versus what are all the things I want to do in life that I'm desiring. So key, so, so crucial yeah. to make that distinction. Can I, I also just want to mention, it's the right time to plug this, on your website, your desirement calculator, and everybody listening needs to go to this, and we'll put a link in the notes so you can click right through to it. But can you just briefly describe what is the desirement calculator and how can people use it today? Yeah, so it's a very simple calculator to allow you to just figure out what your desirement number is. You know, how much investable liquid assets do you need to accumulate in order to create a what I call a paycheck for life? Enough money to pay for the things you want to do. Now, if you're going to keep working, you know, you don't need to replace 100% of whatever you're earning today if you're going to keep working. So it allows you to plug in different scenarios right at the calculator to figure out, oh, oh, oh. So if I do save 5% of my pay or 10% of my pay at 6 or 7% compounded, oh, looks like I'm going to be okay. Right. And I love it because everybody understands the concept of a mortgage for their house. So you came up with the concept of a desirement mortgage. What's the number you have to fund yeah. to get to be able to do all those things you want to do? Just like if your mortgage, what's the number you have to hit to pay your house off? Well, yeah, so if you took out a 30-year mortgage, you had a house for a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know what your monthly payment is, and you make that payment so you can have your mortgage paid off. People even pay, accelerate that to have it paid off. So the desirement calculator, thanks, Mike, does the same thing. We go out into the future, and we define what your desirement mortgage number is, like a home mortgage. So if the house was, you know, you're buying is worth 300,000, imagine you need 300,000 in 30 years to create your paycheck for life. Come back to today, we convert that into a mortgage payment. So if you could earn 6% or 7% compounded, how much do you need to save and invest every month to hit that number? Yeah. And people go, oh, wow, that's like my mortgage. And yeah. I'll tell you what's really fascinating is, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what your income is, but whatever your mortgage payment is, that's about within a five to 15% range, what you need to save and invest to have enough to create a paycheck for life. When we started doing this, it was like mind boggling. Interesting. Yeah. Say that again, whatever your current mortgage payment is, your- that, that, That's what you're gonna need to also save and invest every month to create a paycheck for life, have enough money to do all the things you want to do. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is a good segue into something else I want you to talk about, because we're talking about this whole concept of a mortgage. And I've heard, there it is, folks. 
If you're just listening to the audio version of this, Charlie held up a deck of cards and he's going to talk to us about what he calls his myths of money. What are the myths of money, Charlie? Well, let's talk about the desirement deck of cards. So if you go to either epsteinfinancial.com, you can download for free the desirement playing cards. Just ask you to pay the postage. And if you go to yieldadreams.live, you can download my app. Again, yield, like fieldofdreams.live. You can download my app and the cards are on the app and you can use them there as well. So what we're trying to do is create greater clarity and confidence for your artists in their financial world so that we can then identify what capabilities they need to achieve the results they want. So there's three sets of cards in these playing cards. There's 20 what I've identified as priorities now, right? Financial priorities. There's 20 desirement dream cards and there's 15 myth or fact cards. Okay. So what we ask you to do is just go through the priorities now and pick the top three priorities that you have financially in the next year you wanna accomplish. Could be uh, ensure a maximum tax rate free return on my investments, avoid using credit cards, uh, pay off loans, buy a new car, uh, whatever. And then the desirement dream cards are, what are the three biggest things you dream about having someday in your life? Uh, could be the ability to positively influence and lead others if that's something that's there. Help my children financially, travel frequently, be completely debt-free. So pick those three. And then what's the myths all about? So Mike, we've identified 15 myths people have about their money. And a myth is a belief that you have about something that's totally unfounded in reality. And most people don't even know they have these myths. They've inherited them. You know, it's like the air they breathe and the blood that pumps through their veins. Yeah. I view my job as to hold up in the light all the myths that you have about your money, folks. Not to change them, but to see, does this really work? Is this supporting you reaching your priority goals and desirement goals, or is it an obstacle to be overcome? So the biggest myth we have about money is if I just had enough, it would make me happy and solve all my problems. That's the biggest myth we have as human beings. If I just had enough money, I'd be happy and it'd solve all my problems. So folks, if that were true, why is it that 95% of all lottery winners go bankrupt three to five years after they win the lottery? Well, yeah, and also that example you gave at the top of your, your client who sold his business for $110 million and was not happy. <laughs> He's still working through it. You know, some people just have a, I don't deserve this myth. But so that's the first big myth. But what's some other myths? Owning a home is a good investment. I'll be in a lower tax bracket when I reach my desirement years. I have to pay off my home mortgage to be debt free and happy in my desirement years. Um, you have to stop working to be happy. So those are just a few examples of myths about money. The equity in my home earns a rate of return. I mean, that's a huge myth that people have. Mm -hmm. So 
By identifying those myths, we're then able to deconstruct it like your artist would deconstruct a sheet of music. Yeah. You know, if you're an artist, you, you get this sheet of music and you're like, oh my God. And you know, you gotta you gotta break it down into the beats and the rhythm and the timing and the flow and you know, and then the magic starts to happen. But you're breaking it down note by note first, and then you're starting to lay in the textures and the tone. That's what we do by analyzing your myths and approach to money, your false beliefs, and holding those up. And people go, oh my God, I, I had no idea. Yeah, I love the analogy. These myths of money are like, for all the musicians listening, these are your major and minor scales <laughs> of, finan of finances. Yeah, and a lot it's of people brilliant. are just afraid to read the sheet music, or they don't yeah. know how to read the sheet music. Right. So get your desirement cards. And then if you like, just reach out to me and we'll set up a Zoom call and we'll walk through the desirement cards with you and see how we can be of service. Yeah, this is so great. So just to recap real quickly, people listening, we've talked about 10-1 now, that concept. You can start doing that today. We talked about the desirement mortgage calculator. You can go to their website, plug in your number start thinking about how much you have to save each month. But even before they do that, and you might've mentioned this, it's worth saying, before you even do that, start thinking about all those things you would like to do one day and figure out what's it gonna to take to do them. I think that's really important, giving that number a purpose. Yeah, you know, it's, I was thinking about this today because I am definitely a guy who walks his talk and living proof. I'm you know, gonna be 64. And I have all these buckets of money that are just popping up now in my life because I started saving and investing in different ways. And every quarter I'm getting checks from, oh my God, I forgot I did this investment. And then last month I got, you know, $160,000 from, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And that showed up at the doorstep. And wouldn't that be nice to forget about that coming in? <laughs> um, uh, it makes me sound kind of stupid, but. But 10-1 now, I mean, yeah, I just started saving at 21. You do that for 40 years. You don't have to know how to invest. By the way, saving on a regular basis and dollar cost averaging into any kind of investment over long periods of time is completely idiot proof. I just need to get the idiots out of the equation. <laughs> That's your listeners. It's not rocket science the problem is is people think they're an economic mechanical engineer and they they start putting their hands in the mechanics and go oh i better not be investing right now this is a bad time i hear people go oh this is a bad time to invest look what's happening our government blah 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 i mean history just keeps repeating itself folks you know the analogy i love to give if i had a cup of starbucks and i love starbucks i'm a shareholder, um, had the gold card since 1992. But let me just give you an example. In 2007, if you bought one share of Starbucks, it was $32, okay? In 2008, December, we had the credit crisis. The global economy, boom, stock market dropped 50%. Starbucks stock was now worth $7.22. From 32 to seven. How are you feeling about your investment? You're sick. Yeah. Now, 
from 2008 to 2010, if you kept just buying Starbucks stock, it went from $7.28 to $110 a share. Then they split it, so you got twice as many shares. It was down to $55, and today I think it's at 106 The point of that is you were buying as the price was going down, so you were getting more shares for the same buck. Then you were, but you were feeling awful. Then the price was going up for the next 17 years. It's basically since 2008, it's gone nothing but up. And you're feeling really good, but you're paying more for the same shares. Yeah. But if you look at the average over that period of time, you made significant money by being an idiot. <laughs> you just followed the program. Shut up, save and invest. Right, right. All right. So if I uh, am motivated enough now that I'm listening to start doing exactly what you're saying, what's some practical advice for how to think about this now that I'm starting to put money away into an investment? Let me let me be a little more specific. Okay, so I've opened that mutual fund that you talked about at the beginning of the conversation. Experience tells me you're going to drive yourself bananas if you check it every day. Which I did. Well, yeah, right. So the question is, on average, how often are you looking at your investment? Once a month? Twice a month? Depends on the individual. There was a commercial called the Maytag Repairman. You probably don't remember this commercial. But it was a guy who worked for Maytag, and he was the repairman. Only the point was, Maytag never breaks down. So the guy was most, mostly sitting here <laughs> like this, sleeping. And he never had to really look at anything or do anything. Unless there's a big change in your life, you should just be incrementally increasing your contributions into an investment. You should look at it at least twice a year. If you've got an advisor, you should be talking to them, you know, at least twice a year unless there's a big change. But once you've set up a well-managed diversified portfolio, that advisor should be making sure those managers are doing their job. And we might have to hire and fire the managers because they're not performing well. But your job, musician, like you keep rehearsing and practicing, is to keep saving and investing and increasing it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And again, following your 10-1 now formula. Very good. Uh, Charlie, you've been pretty generous with your time. I just want to ask a few closing questions here just, just to kind of ease us out of the water. <laughs> ease, ease the pain, go the distance. E ease us, yeah, ease us out of the deep end. Um, when's the next live production of Yield of Dreams happening? Is there talk of it happening? God. You got me right where I want to be. So uh, you were there. We did the show August 25th, 26th. It went off really well. Uh, I, you've just heard me say I'm now interviewing uh, three playwrights. We're going to work on rewriting the play. We got so much great feedback from our audiences. The next performance I hope to do middle end of January of 2022. And we're going to live stream it. We filmed these performances, but we didn't have three cameras. So we're going to set up for three camera shot. And we'll have a full version that will live stream. 
uh, over and over again. Then we'll have like a 30, 35 minute version because the show's about 80 minutes. And then the real goal is a 30 city tour. So I might need a booking agent. Love it. But the goal is uh, to put this show on the road by the middle of uh, 2022, if everything goes well and be on the road for the next uh, year and a half, two years, going city to city. So cool. Yield the dreams, baby. So cool. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. We're excited. Yeah, all right, well, once you get that live stream link, send it to me so everybody listening, will we'll send a follow-up email to them so they can tune in. Yeah. Yep, January next year. Awesome, awesome. Um, appreciate it. Man, yeah, yeah, and last, say that again? Your, I was gonna say for your artists again, uh, go to either epsteinfinancial.com. You can order the desirement cards and schedule a Zoom call with me. There's no cost for the first call. Let's just uh, be of service to you, help you get greater clarity and confidence. And then we can see if there's a future together for uh, you know us to be part of your financial band. There you go. Combo. Or you can go to yieldedreams.live, download the Yield of Dreams app. On the app is the designer cards. Also on the app is my Myths of Money course. So all 15 myths, there's a series video of me explaining the myths and questions for you to answer to get greater clarity and confidence. It's all free. Love it, love it. Last, last note, I was, when I was kind of prepping for our interview, I noticed you're approaching your 10-year anniversary for your book paychecks for life that's awesome wow yeah good 20... homework I didn't, I didn't even know that yeah well, I, well the, the copy i have says 2012 and we're gonna that's 2022 next year i might have to update that you know we're, we're working on the yield of dreams book the magna carta the one that dan says never write <laughs> why why never write it because it's your life story and if you want to be bored just yeah. read about read about yourself <laughs> yeah well folks should also check out paychecks for life though it's a really great book talks oh, about yeah. everything we're talking about in this interview so Very cool congratulations well, we're, here to be, we're here to be a service and be a part of the uh the band the jazz band the orchestra whoever yeah much appreciated thanks so much charlie peace out everybody <laughs>